Shane Twist and welcome to Behind the Beef, a podcast that gives you a look behind the scenes and into the everyday activities of the people behind the beef. Hello to everyone joining us again in 2022 and welcome to the first episode of the year. Today's episode of Behind the Beef is taking us back to basics. The autumn sales are on their way to start ramping up and we are doing a layman's guide to sale catalogues and how to interpret the genetic evaluation information listed in a standard Angus catalogue. This episode is great for those who are just getting their feet wet when it comes to EBVs and breeding and genetics decision making and would like a further breakdown regarding EBVs, the science behind them and what they actually mean when you're looking at a sale catalogue on sale day. We will be joined by Angus Australia Breed Development Officer Jake Phillips who will give us a breakdown of what you need to know regarding EBVs and sale catalogues this sale season. I recommend if you have an Angus sale catalogue handy to grab it for this chat so you can have a reference to what we're discussing. If you don't, check out the show notes for this episode where we have linked an example catalogue page for reference to follow throughout. Now let's jump into our chat with Jake. Thanks again for joining us, Jake. We'll start off with our first question, keeping it simple. What is an EBV and what are they predicting? Thanks, Shane. Well, an EBV is an estimated breeding value, which is an estimation on the animal's true breeding value for certain traits. And the EBV value is the genetic merit for that trait um, that's displayed in things like sale catalogues and on the database search when looking up certain registered Angus cattle. Importantly, the evaluation that we use to calculate these EBVs is called the Trans-Tasman Angus Cattle Evaluation, and the EBVs generated represent the genetic merit for each trait against a historic reference, and that's a really important point. The historic reference, which can be referred to as the breed average. This can change over time when more information is added to the database, add different pedigrees and performance information and increasing genomic information is added particularly and EBVs are calculated for a range of traits within TACE or the Trans-Tasman Angus Cattle Evaluation and cover things such as calving ease, growth, fertility, maternal performance, carcass merit, feed efficiency, as well as docility and structural scores. Now how is an EBV calculated? Well, it's an interesting question. The EBV evaluation takes into account the pedigree of the animal any performance data that we know about the animal that's been collected on itself and its relatives as well by the breeders of these cattle. And it also takes into account any of the genomic information that we know. And that's really referring to what genes is the animal carrying. This evaluation compares animals fairly by removing the bias of the seasons, the location to where the animals have been raised, things such as like how old the mother of the calf is at at the time the measurement's taken and other factors that aren't genetic. And what we're left with is the difference. And in the performance, um, so to speak, the difference is coming from the genetic influence. So of course, then comes the challenge of, well, can we measure this difference? And also, is it heritable? So why is it beneficial for producers to have an understanding of an animal's genetic value as well as their phenotype come sale day when they're looking to invest in an animal? Great question, Shane. I 
personally don't think this concept is often broken down enough. Um, and I've got a couple of examples. There's a couple of things at play here. Firstly, when we talk about phenotype, we're talking about how the ball actually presents himself, such as how heavy he is or what he may look like physically, what his temperament or docility might be, or how tall he might be at the hip. These are all part of his phenotype and how he physically is being presented on that particular day at a point in time. Obviously, a lot of cattlemen and women around the world use phenotype as a good example of what the animal may do for their breeding program. And phenotype is really important from a management sense in terms of, if we look at docility, for example, how docile the bull is in the paddock and in the stockyards is really important to things like animal husbandry, the safety of family and employees, as well as animal welfare. The expectation is that you'll be able to go up to the bull and that he will have an acceptable temperament and you'll be able to handle him. However, that in itself doesn't explain the difference that his genetics will make on the progeny performance for docility. So the bull himself is acting that way because he's a product of his environment, meaning that he's been conditioned to be that way by the way that he's been raised and who's been around him and, and some of the management practices that have been involved. However, these management practices and, and the way he's been raised don't actually affect his genetics. Similarly, on sale day, simply looking at the weight for age of a bull can be a trap because the way the bull presents on sale day is certainly influenced by his genetics, but predominantly by the environment. So phenotype can't be used exclusively to look at how much of an impact a certain sire is going to have on the performance of the progeny. And that's an important point. We're talking about the performance of the progeny, not the bull himself. This is where genetic and breeding decision-making tools such as EBVs come into play to help describe the difference in how the progeny will perform, particularly compared to other progeny from other sires and, and other genetics. So as a cattle producer, it would be a safe assumption that you're looking for progeny to perform in a certain way, to have certain growth attributes, fertility attributes, or certain carcass attributes, depending on what market you're trying to supply. For example, the decision to use EBVs when assessing a bull is going to give you the best indication of what the progeny performance will be like, particularly given that 50% of the progeny genetics has come from the bull. And that, might, that bull in your particular program um, might have 20, 40, 60, or even more calves per year. So importantly, it is a critical point that EBVs don't belong to the bull himself, but they actually describe the difference in how the progeny will perform. So you may actually get to a situation where you look at a bull and you don't feel like the EBVs necessarily explain the bull that you're looking at. He looks different to what you're expecting. But that should come as no surprise because the EBVs are actually explaining the influence that he will have on the progeny performance. And so it goes without saying that the EBVs belong to the progeny. The estimated breeding values enable us to compare animals fairly and without bias, regardless of the conditions they were raised in. And so that's really where the analysis can successfully compare animals across different management regimes, different locations, and even different countries to give you a true indication of what the genetic merit might be when considering that certain sire. So you've mentioned it a couple of times already, but what actually is the Trans-Tasman Angus Cattle Evaluation? Thanks, Shane. The, the Trans-Tasman Angus Cattle Evaluation is the genetic evaluation program 
that has been adopted by Angus Australia, and that's uniquely used for Angus and Angus-influenced beef cattle. The Trans-Tasman Angus Cattle Evaluation uses Best Linear Unbiased Prediction, or in industry is often referred to as BLUP technology, to produce estimated breeding values, or EBVs, on recorded cattle for a range of important production traits, some of which we've spoken about, like weight, carcass traits, and fertility. The Trans-Tasman Angus Cattle Evaluation, or TACE, is an international genetic evaluation and includes inputs such as pedigree performance and genomic information from the Angus Australia and Angus New Zealand databases, along with selected information such as structural scores from the American and Canadian Angus associations. The Trans-Tasman Angus Cattle Evaluation utilises a range of genetic evaluation software, and including the internationally recognised BLUP F90 family of programs, which sounds pretty scientific, but at the end of the day, the TACE analysis and genetic evaluation program is one of the most comprehensive programs anywhere in the world. So we're very lucky in Australia uh, for Angus registered cattle that we're able to use this technology in our genetic evaluation. Generally, a lot of these programs have been developed by the Animal Genetics and Breeding Unit, referred to as AGBU, which is a joint institute of the New South Wales uh, Department of Agriculture and the University of New England, as well as Meat and Livestock Australia. So Angus Australia conducted some research in collaboration with Meat and Livestock Australia, where they looked at animals, part of the Angus Sire Benchmarking Program, assessing the progeny performance of sires in cohorts one to three and five to seven of the ASBP to analyse how well the EBVs of the sires when entered in the program aligned with the actual performance of their progeny. Uh, what were the findings of this research into the merit of EBVs? Thanks, Shane. So just as a reminder for everyone listening to this podcast, the ASBP, from a broad view, mates approximately 2,000 cows to be between 20 and 40 different nominated sires each year and has now been going for 12 years. So it's actually a really comprehensive genetic evaluation, nucleus uh, you know, comparison that we've, we've got as part of the ASBP. We're very lucky to, to have that uh, commitment from Angus Australia and, and our partners to, to be able to be running that for such a long time. We have a huge amount of data from this program, which has been captured uh, all along the way. And that's from things such as mating, all the way through to slaughter of the steer progeny after a 200 day feeding regime on grain. And for the females, all the way through to weaning their first calf. So there's a heap of information involved. The support from MLA through the donor company funding has been a huge help, but we also cooperate with herds around Australia and other research institutes, as well as businesses such as Vet Equinol to undertake the project. What it's given us is a really nice platform to prove some of the concepts put to industry, and EBVs are one of those. So in relation to your question, for EBVs, we've been able to compare the expected outcome, so what the EBVs are telling us is going to happen, against what has actually happened. So what we did was use the average EBV for the top 10 size and the bottom 10 size for certain traits to see how reliable they were at predicting the performance. As an example, we have found that something like birth weight, we expected a difference of 1.9 kilos between those sires, and we actually got 1.5 kilos. For a trait such as 200 day weight, we expected 8.7 kilos difference, and we got 8.6 kilos difference, so only 100 grams difference. And for 600 day weight, we're expecting 21.1 kilos difference, and we got 19.9. For a carcass trait such as rib fat, 
we expected a difference of 1.8 millimetres and we actually achieved 1.8 millimetres. So there was no difference in the expectation. And for IMF, which is intramuscular fat, we expected a difference of 1.3% and we got a difference of 1.5. There is plenty more information on these findings from the comparisons of five, six and seventh cohorts of the ANGUS-SIA benchmarking program. And we also continue to update this information as we go. But importantly, what this tells us is that the EBVs reliably predict the difference in the progeny performance. So what EBVs or traits are collected with Angus Australia? Angus Australia currently reports 21 standard EBVs across various aspects of fertility, growth, carcass traits and feed efficiency, and also reports a further four research EBVs if the animal has had data submitted on those particular traits. Generally speaking, EBVs will only be reported if data has been submitted and analysed on itself or its relatives, or if the mid-parent or genomically enhanced EBV reaches a minimum accuracy for reporting. We, however, collect more information that is based uh, on always thinking what traits are going to be important next and what the future of breeding Angus cattle in Australia looks like. We work a lot in this space because we care about what's going to happen next for Angus cattle and to keep them profitable uh, and as a go-to breed for commercial cattle operations here in Australia and more broadly across the world. So where can people find a further breakdown of each genetic trait or EBV? For more information on the EBVs that we've been uh, alluding to and discussing in this podcast, I would certainly recommend to head to the Angus Australia homepage and go to the Angus Education Centre, which includes modules which are easy to use. They list uh, educational resources and activities that cover a lot of the breeding and genetic decision-making tools that Angus Australia offer. Alternatively, I would encourage people to contact any of the breed development officers at Angus Australia, who are regionally based uh, largely across the eastern seaboard, and uh, we're certainly there to be able to help any of our members um, you know, with, with any of the tools and, and understanding how to use them that are available. So now we're going to turn our focus to Angus sale catalogues and how to best understand them. In a standard catalogue created by Angus Australia, what are the standard set of EBVs listed? Thanks, Shane. Well, we routinely report uh, 21 different EBVs, and I'll just take the listeners through each of those now and indicate exactly what that EBV means. The first one is calving is direct, and that indicates if an animal is expected to produce fewer calving difficulties in two-year-old heifers. Then we move to calving ease daughters, which indicates if an animal is expected to produce a higher percentage of daughters who will calve unassisted at two years of age. And then we move on to gestation length, which indicates if an animal is expected to produce calves that are born with a shorter gestation length. And then birth weight, which indicates if the animal is expected to produce progeny with lighter or heavier birth weights in kilograms. And then we move on to the 200, 400 and 600 days of age uh, weights, which indicate if the animal is expected to produce progeny with heavier live weights at those points in time, which is 200, 400 and 600, or what we often refer to as such as a weaning weight, a yearling weight, and then a, uh, a final weight um, as that animal is, is growing out and maturing. 
Another of the growth traits, uh, which is uh, a maternal contribution, which is the milk EBV trait, and that indicates the animal is expected to produce daughters that have heavier calves at 200 days of age due to superior maternal attributes, which is, for example, more milk. We've then got mature cow weight, which indicates if the animal is expected to produce daughters that will be heavier at mature weights, and that could be around that five years of age. We've then got the days to calving EBV trait, and that indicates an animal is expected to produce progeny that conceive earlier in the joining period or are conceiving earlier when exposed to the bull. The scrotal circumference EBV indicates that the animal is expected to produce sons with larger scrotal circumference as yearlings and daughters that reach puberty much earlier. The docility EBV indicates an animal is expected to produce a higher percentage of progeny with acceptable temperament. And then the carcass weight EBV, which indicates the animal is expected to produce progeny with heavier carcass weights. The EMA EBV trait indicates the animal is expected to produce progeny with larger eye muscle areas relative to the carcass weight. And then there's a couple of fat trait EBVs, the first of which is rib fat. And this indicates the animal is expected to produce progeny with greater rib fat at 400 kilograms carcass weight. The second of which is the P8 fat EBV. And this is referred to often as rump fat and indicates the animal is expected to produce progeny with greater fat depth in a 400 kilogram carcass. The next carcass trait EBV is the retail beef yield. And this EBV indicates if the animal is expected to produce progeny that yield at a higher percentage of saleable beef from a 400 kilogram carcass. And the last of the carcass traits is the IMF EBV. And this indicates if the animal is expected to produce progeny with a higher percentage of intramuscular fat or marbling in a 400 kilogram carcass. Of our feed efficiency EBVs, we have the uh, NFI, which is uh, net feed intake. And this indicates if the animal is expected to produce progeny that eat less feed per day relative to their weight and rate of gain. And then our two structural EBVs, the first of which is Clawset. And this indicates if an animal is expected to produce progeny with more desirable claw structure, being, uh, say, toes that are symmetrical, even, and appropriately spaced. And the last of which is the foot angle EBV. Again, another structural EBV. And this indicates if an animal is expected to produce progeny with more desirable foot angle, being at a 45 degree angle at the paston joint, and with appropriate toe length and heel depth. And so, Shane, these are the 21 EBVs that are routinely reported as part of a standard catalogue. If a person is opening up an Angus Sale catalogue and looking at an animal lot, and if you're playing at home, I recommend if you've got an Angus Sale catalogue sitting nearby to open up so you have a bit of a reference of what we're talking about. But what is some common animal information that is available in an Angus Sale catalogue? Well, Shane, there will be a range of standard things such as birth details, the registration type and the pedigree that uh, you know, potential bull buyers can be reviewing in catalogues. However, there will also be information on the animal's genetic condition status for the four standard genetic conditions reported by Angus Australia and any parent verification that's been conducted, as well as information on what traits have been included in the analysis of EBVs, meaning what information has the breeder recorded in the animal's life and then submitted for the evaluation and then been included in the evaluation. Then this will appear in a catalogue as traits observed.
So when looking at an Angus catalogue, what are the suffixes listed and what can the reader interpret them as? Great question, Shane. The two suffixes of interest are SV and PV. What the SV means is that the breeder of the animal has submitted DNA to Angus Australia for analysis to confirm who the sire is. If the sire also has DNA on file, it will confirm this by establishing how much DNA is in common and excludes all other possibilities with not enough DNA in common. An animal with an SV has passed this verification of essentially a quality assurance step verifying the animal to that sire that's been nominated. The PV is for parent verification and it works in much the same way, except also includes the dam. So an animal with a PV suffix has verified by DNA to both the sire and dam that's been nominated. A lot of the Angus catalogues that have this will also have an Angus sire assured or Angus parentage assured logo present to indicate to the buying fraternally that there is an extra quality assurance step that this breeder has put in place to guarantee the parentage claims. So you've mentioned them before. So what are the genetic conditions that are tested with Angus Australia? Angus Australia currently monitors nine genetic conditions and reports four on all registered animals. These will appear in sale catalogues and on database search when looking up individuals as AM, CA, DD and NH. These are all abbreviations of the full name. And I would encourage you that if you're interested in looking up more information about these genetic conditions on the Angus Australia website and then to the Angus Education Centre, you'll find the full listed names of all nine genetic conditions for your information. These genetic conditions can affect individuals seriously and we also have cattle that carry the gene in our population. So how it works is that if you have a bull and a cow that carry no copies of these genes, which has been verified by DNA or verified by the pedigree that's been uh, submitted on a certain animal, then their progeny won't inherit them. However, if either the bull or the cow have the gene, then half of the progeny will carry this gene forward into the next generation. And if you have a bull and a cow carrying the genes, which so the, the sire and the dam both carry the gene, then around 25% of the progeny will express the gene which can often be fatal, and that's really a worst case scenario. The Angus breed with particular reference to the seedstock breeders have done a fantastic job at removing the prevalence of these from much of the Angus population. But we've also learned a lot about managing the conditions, and now we see any disruption to beef production on the absolute smaller scale, if reportable at all. It is still a worthy piece of information to assess. However, we've come a long way over the past decade with more tracking of these genetic conditions through various pedigrees. And we've had a lot of software enhancements to allow us to do that, as well as practically managing the issues. So we're gonna get into the nitty gritty of what's actually in the catalogues. And when looking at the Trans-Tasman Angus cattle evaluation tables that feature in an Angus sale catalogue, what is actually listed? In terms of the EBVs displayed in the catalogues, typically you'll have four rows of information, sometimes three. The first row, of course, is the trait title or header, and this will explain what trait you're looking at. The second is the EBV value. The third is often the percentile to which the EBV sits in the Angus population, which can be a quick fire way to see if, if for example, the animal's EBV is in the top 20% or bottom 20% of the population for certain traits. 
And the fourth row is normally the EBV accuracy. Most EBVs will only report when they reach 35% minimum reporting accuracy, but accuracy can also go up to 99% accuracy. What this indicates is how much confidence the EBV has based on the amount of information that has been submitted on itself, its progeny and its relatives, including genomic information. Sires from unproven pedigrees that haven't had lots of recording will generally have lower accuracy for those traits. This isn't about being good or bad, it is just indicating that there may be some change as time goes on and more information is known about the animal and its relatives. Sometimes change can be a good thing too. So what do the traits observed section of the table refer to? This shows what traits have been measured, recorded, submitted and then analysed in the taste analysis and therefore the measurement has had a direct impact on the EBE results being seen. From time to time, breeders might be recording extra information or submitting multiple observations, but the traits observed is telling the potential bull buyer what traits have actually been included into the genetic evaluation, which has then gone forward to contribute to what the EBV is reporting as. Now to give a theoretic breakdown, if we go through the table, for example, on the information listed for carving ease direct, how does someone interpret the following? So how does someone interpret the EBV row? So for that example, which you've mentioned, which is carving ease direct, we're looking at higher carving ease direct EBVs, indicating that an animal is expected to produce fewer calving difficulties in two-year-old heifers, i.e. greater carving ease. The average of the Angus breed for January 2022 is plus 2.2. And please note, it's not zero. If you refer back to what we spoke about before, which is a historical average, which is uh, what we're referring to as the breed average, for this particular trait, it's plus 2.2. So an animal at plus eight is predicted to produce fewer calving difficulties than an animal with an EBV of minus five, for example. Moving on to the accuracy row, what does that mean? As we've just spoken about, higher accuracy, which is closer to 99%, will indicate there's less chance there is of a EBV changing significantly, which is by more than one standard deviation, compared to the animal which has, say, a 40% accuracy, where there is a chance that the EBV may change as more information comes into the analysis. Moving on to the percentile row, why is this an important consideration? Unfortunately, not all animals can be in the top 1% of the population for every trait. However, where percentiles are helpful is when a producer knows that they have three to five traits of most importance to their particular production system and their breeding herd, and therefore which EBVs they'll be using to help address their breeding goals. By placing these traits, you're going to select on in a higher percentile, which means higher amounts of potential gain for that particular trait. Really, it is a benchmark or a line in the sand that says, here is the breed average and here is the top 1%. Here is the bottom 1%. The question is, what traits do you want to be better than breed average on? And what traits are you happy around breed average on? And are there any traits that really aren't critical to your business that you're happy to be less than breed average on? The way the traits work is that they can be antagonistic from time to time. And also by selecting on one, you may be then getting unintentional selection for another, which may be less desirable than what you were hoping for. 
I'd really encourage people to define where their priorities are as it's unlikely they'll be finding size in the top 1% for all of the traits important to them. And so really the secret here is where is my point where I'm satisfied that this bull is meeting my requirements and where will he be exceeding my requirements for the EBVs that he has? And this will help you to shortlist a potential size on offer, say when looking through a catalogue or at a bull sale. And this is going to be the, the most efficient way to point you in the right direction of bulls that will really suit your, um, your breeding objective. So I guess what you're saying is that it's pretty important to have a breeding objective for your herd. So when it comes to breeding objectives for individual herds, what do producers need to keep in mind when reading a sale catalogue and when selecting animals that will eventually influence their herd? Yeah, thanks, Shane. I mean, there's obviously a lot of information around you know, breeding and genetic decision making, and there can be a lot in, uh, in, in producers' minds about what sort of bulls they need and genetics that they need to carry. But for me, it's quite simple. A logical first step really is about defining your market. What are you aiming for and why? Are you aiming to sell more wieners that are heavier than the year before? Are you aiming to have uh, increased conception rates to compared to how long they were exposed to the bull? Are you looking to increase your uh, IMF or marbling scores in your cattle that you're turning off as finished uh, prime cattle for processing? So there's a, there's a lot of questions we can ask ourselves there, but the first step is define what you're aiming for. The second step is really about what production traits are important to your goal. So you've defined what you want to do and why. So then what traits are important to be able to help you get onto that path to success? And can you control them and can you select on them? The next step really is about then reviewing the EBVs available to help change the production traits that you've identified as being important. For example, you know we spoke about, I wanna sell heavier wieners. So a 200 day weight, EBV would be important. And if you're keeping females as a self-replacing herd, the milk EBV would also be important. I want to also have higher marbling in my cattle to achieve their eating quality premiums available. And so selecting on the IMF EBV would be an important um, aspect there. And for example, let's just say a particular producer wants to have a shorter calving window to have more uniform calf drop, then days to calving would increase the amount of females getting in calf with those first couple of cycles with the bull, for an example. And lastly, there could also be something like, I want to hold the size of my cows so we don't uh, keep increasing our feed costs as cows get bigger. So selecting a mature cow weight is the logical EBV to help control that production trait. Step four is really about then utilising a selection index that aligns with your production system to help filter out any available bull options. And we'll come back to talk about selection indexes in more detail in a little while, Shane, but that's really a quick fire step to highlight, are there bulls in this catalogue that are likely to meet my production goals? And it will soon be able to filter out um, and bring to the top those bulls that you should look at uh, a little bit further. In 2021, there was more than 10,000 Angus bulls that went to auction in Australia. And so this step would really be able to help you refine getting down to the to that next level of finding the bulls that really suit your program. The next step, which is step five then, is really about applying your EBVs of most importance to address your breeding goals. 
And so this will be where you've shortlisted your bulls, you've found some that you think suit your criteria. And it's then about placing what EBVs are important to you to make sure that those bulls are carrying the genetic merit as you would um, have been desiring to make those changes in, in production goals. And just getting towards the, the end of this, this sequence then, really it's important to find a breeder that offers cattle that have raised their bulls in a way that will be conducive to your production system. And that offer bulls that are of superior genetics uh, that are important to you. And they offer as much information to you as possible, such as uh, plenty of data submitted for the taste analysis and particularly on those traits that are important to you. And genomics testing, as well as results for genetic conditions, could also be an advantage if that's something that uh, that you've made as, as part of your uh, assessment criteria. And really the last step is to make sure that you assess and any of that physical information that's made available, such as there been a, a veterinary bull breeding soundness exam, or are there semen test results that you can re review as well to ensure that the bulls you're selecting are fit healthy and able to pass on the best genetics to your cows this breeding season. So what is an Angus selection index and how are they developed and how do we interpret them? Well, selection indexes are utilised by livestock breeders of many species around the world and would be considered an essential part of any modern livestock breeding program. Selection indexes aid in the selection of animals for use within a breeding program where there are several traits of economic importance or function by providing an overall score of the animal's genetic value. Selection indexes are derived for a specific breeding purpose and are calculated based on weightings placed on individual traits that are deemed to be important for that purpose. The selection index assists in making balanced selection decisions, which takes into account the relevant attributes of each animal to identify animals with genetics that are most aligned with the breeding objective for the given scenario. So in the Angus breed, we have self-replacing indexes, which are in reference to Angus breeders that aren't targeting any one market and are retaining females. And they're what we call the Angus breeding indexes. We also have indexes which are relative to uh, grass-fed production, uh, grain-fed production as well. Uh, terminal production, so using Angus size where all of the progeny are, are processed. Um, and there's a couple of others as, as well. And we also have different indexes for how people value their, their feed that they have on their farm and how much surplus feed that they're likely to have through a 12-month program. And I would encourage anyone that's um, interested in learning more about selection indexes to visit the Angus Australia website and go to the Angus Education Centre. And there's a whole suite of information on Angus selection indexes, as well as a selection guide uh, which will help producers be able to find the selection index that best suits their production system. This is a reasonably new feature and I would certainly encourage people to visit that and it's a great tool to be able to point you in the right direction. Just finally on, on indexes though, we need to keep in mind that indexes reflect the overall profitability per cow joined for the supply chain. And so it takes into account many points even after the progeny have kind of left the breeder. So for example, um, the ability for an animal to marble uh, like really well in terms of that IMF uh, marbling in a 400 kilogram carcass weight after 200 days on grain, that might not be that important to uh, the cow-calf 
you know, producer of the Western Districts of uh, New South Wales or Victoria that is putting their uh, wieners into a wiener sale. However, that actually is important to certain customers in the supply chain. And so uh, even though that value might not be front of mind, it's important to note that there's certain points uh, throughout the uh, life of that animal that, that create value and they are included in the index. And that's why it's referred to as an economic index. My advice is to use the index filter uh, as a filter to list uh, animals uh, and filter through animals in a catalogue. And really it's a quick point to sort out the catalogue to highlight the bulls worth placing more specific breeding and selection criteria on such as your three to five traits of most importance, which you've identified for your production goals. So why is identifying your breeding objectives target market important when utilising selection indexes and EBVs? Great question, Shane. This is because a selection index represents all traits and it is reported as an economic value per cow joined. An index does have a slight flaw, and that is because, for example, you could have two bulls that share the exact same index value on the particular index that you're looking at. But they can have very different EBVs. So for an example, you might have bull A that has a highly undesirable uh, EBV for calving ease, but a very desirable EBV for growth traits. And so it has an, an economic input into the index, which is favorable, because of the uh, growth traits being important to profitability in, in some circumstances. You could then have bull B, which has uh, highly desirable calving ease, but more moderately acceptable growth traits. And this also has a favorable input into the index. And this is for different reasons. So as you can see, you could actually have uh, multiple bulls with the same index value being presented but the traits that make up that index value could be very different. And so that's why it's important for producers to still come up with that three to five traits of most important, which they can then find EBVs to help them address and to ensure that the bulls that they're looking at meet their own individual requirements. As we've said before, a selection index for the Angus breed represents the profitability per cow joined for the entire supply chain. So this is where the extra attention to detail becomes of most benefit. So what are some handy hints and examples of how you can help find size best suited for you utilising Angus Tech? I think two great features of the Angus Sales Select and Angus Seaman Select tabs as part of the uh, Angus Tech feature on the Angus Australia website. Both allow you to look across multiple catalogues at once and it Let's look at the sales select feature, for example, to start with. By going to the Angus Australia homepage and then clicking the Angus sales select tab, you can then choose to look across multiple sale catalogues. You can choose the map option, which takes a look at where all of the uh, confirmed sales are across Australia that have been booked in with Angus Australia in the, in the marketing and communications team. And so these upcoming sales will be highlighted in a geographical area. So you could say be in South Australia or Southern Queensland and be looking at the sales that are coming up in a geographical area and make a chronological you know, process to be able to go around to those sales and have a look at the bulls that are perhaps even appearing in your local area. 
On the EBV tab, you can also place in your minimum EBV criteria, and this would be the perfect place to be able to put in your three to five traits uh, that you've identified EBVs of most importance into the search. And by using this refinement, the results will then look across the sales selected, which you've looked at through that map function or by listing the particular sales that you already know about, and it will only display the cattle that meet the additional criteria. Personally, I think this is a quick and easy way to find sires that will meet your needs across multiple sales. It certainly would be far quicker than trying to physically highlight animals in paper catalogues and then the difficult task of trying to compare them. Angus Tech will then allow you to print a report of your selections, which then you can refine further. You could take to the sale, discuss with your management team or your family or whatever it might be. And so I think this is a really neat and, and great feature of the Angus Tech uh, capability of the Angus website. So what are some points that producers should remember next time they're going to purchase an Angus bull? Well, firstly, Shane, I think remember how the bull presents on sale day is largely a reflection on the way that he was raised. And the associated the associated EBVs are actually explaining the difference in what the progeny performance will be, not the bull himself. The next part really, as we've spoken about, is defining your market and working out where you were trying to improve in and particularly where you're trying to improve in first. And then about defining your breeding objective, you know, what traits are you trying to change? We can then utilize a selection index to filter the list of bulls on display and choose particularly a line in the sand and only look above that line. And that is really the most efficient way in terms of time to be able to uh, highlight the bulls that are going to be of most suitability to your breeding program. You could then implement your three to five traits of most importance. And that is really what you want to change first. And these are the EBV traits that we've been speaking about. The next step would be to ensure the bull is well equipped to pass on his genetics. And, you know, it has been assessed for a bull breeding soundness exam, including semen, structure, genetic conditions, and any animal health treatments. You should then ensure that he passes your expectations on docility and structure for your environment and management. And we spoke about that right at the front of the podcast where things like docility and structure you have to be happy with these animals from a management sense in terms of are they going to hold up in your environment and your management practices, but also then uh, what genetics are they going to be passing on to their progeny. The next step really is to ensure that he is superior to what you've used previously. And so if we agree that we're trying to make genetic gain in our breeding herds commercially and on the seed stock end, we're really looking for bulls that are going to be improving our herd in certain traits important to us year on year and particularly generation on generation. And the last step, a piece of advice that I would have is to take care of them and looking after the bulls once you receive them home. And the reason that is, is because they will have the largest genetic influence on your cow herd. And so it's a big investment for a lot of producers when purchasing bulls and identifying the genetics to take their cattle in the direction that they feel is most profitable for them. And so I think taking the time to look after them and, and care for them is a, a, a great thing to be doing, considering the influence they're going to have. A big thank you to you, Jake, for joining us for today's podcast and giving a little bit more information on estimated breeding values and how best to interpret an Angus Sow catalogue. Where can people find a little bit more information about what we talked about today? Thanks for having me, Shane. I've really enjoyed it. Probably the best uh, place for uh, our listeners to be able to get more information is to go to the Angus Australia website and visit the Angus Education Centre. 
And there's a whole array of modules uh, in there from understanding what EBVs and selection indexes are through to in-depth information and explanation on each of the traits. And that would be the best place to go as a first step. Uh, in addition, Angus Australia also has three breed development offices that are based uh, throughout Queensland, New South Wales and South Australia. And we are more than happy to be helping uh, Angus breeders and the broader industry to be able to help understand and utilise these tools uh, that we've discussed today. And so our contact details are available on the website. So please yeah, encourage anyone to get in contact with us. So thanks for having us. It's been great. brings us to the end of today's episode thanks to all of our listeners who joined us for the first episode of 2022 i hope you enjoyed it if you're looking to buy this sale season and wanted to utilize some of the tools angus australia provides as mentioned in the episode today we recommend you access the angus select suite on the angus australia website as mentioned by jake if you're in the market for a bull this sale season angus select is an excellent way to peruse the catalogs available to find the bull best suited to your breeding objectives or if you're selling this sale season listing a sale catalog with angus select is a great place to display animals for sale and provide prospective buyers with the latest information as it's loaded with features designed to assist users in utilizing the full potential of the angus australia database there are so many features like loading photos and vendor comments to accompany your online catalogue, linking a hard copy or PDF catalogue and linking pre-sale videos. To access Angus Select or to learn more about the Angus Australia database resources, visit angusaustralia.com.au. And that's all we have time for. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review the podcast. And follow Angus Australia and Angus Youth Australia on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks again and we'll catch you on the next one.